Hi, we are Inspired Churches and we are honored for you to tune in. We are a church that is being transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ and walking in rhythms of life for the good of the city and for the glory of God. As we walk into a new year, we invite you to be part of the ministry by donating a gift today. Go ahead and visit us at inspirechurches.com. How y'all doing? It's uh, Black History Month. And uh, I have a wrestle with that, you know, like the obligatory one month, you know. Um, but I do want to acknowledge it. I do want to celebrate it. And I do want to recognize that black history is always our history. But there is a month. And so I do want to acknowledge that. And, um, and as a result, you know, I just made a determination. I'm going to listen to some black preachers this month. You know what I mean? Like, I don't typically listen to other preachers, but I have like a, a Rolodex of, of, of black preachers that I've been listening this month and just getting edified. And, and all of a sudden, you know, I'm, I'm listening to their cadence, you know, because black preachers got some, some like, some like charisma and <laughs> some charisma and some, I'm trying to find the right word, you know, and, uh, you know, white preachers are, you know, like, you know, open to Genesis 5 <laughs> and it's incredible I love it but you know I was like, ah, open to Genesis 5 you know what I mean and so I've been listening to them so I might have a little cadence this, you know what I mean just might parody and you know and I'm a little you know I'm a little uh jealous man because their congregations be talking back to them you know <laughs> you know we're just like so anyway, in my mind, you know what I mean? So anyway, but I, it's, it's, it's been incredible. And uh, I've been, um, I just, I'm so blessed to be led by um, men and women. God has equipped the kingdom with men and women from all different races, all different ethnicities. And uh, it's just been a beautiful thing. And so just uh, honoring that. Um, I also want to encourage everyone in this room today. I want to like thank you. And I want to encourage you for two reasons. First, it's Super Bowl Sunday. And you had a cultural reason, not a biblical one, a cultural reason to stay home today, but you still came to the house of the Lord. Number two, it's February. In January, like the gyms, the churches fill out because everybody's trying to get their body right. Uh, and most people who know gyms and go to gyms regularly, y'all just don't go to the gym in January because, you know, like by February, it, the, the, all the promises are broken. You know what I mean? All, all the, you know what I'm saying? And I want you to know it happens to be February and you made it to church. <laughs> and so I just want to bless you a double blessing, a double portion. You came on Super Bowl Sunday and you came in February. Um, and so to God be the glory, uh, you know, we always focus, we are a gospel centered church. We say that we're the, uh, the gospel. We are a community being transformed by the gospel, right? But we can't forget, we can't forget that that gospel transformation causes us to live in rhythms of life. And did you know your Sunday morning attendance is a rhythm of life? 
Some of you are like, oh, he's going to get all legalistic on me. No, I'm not. Because, look, when the gospel changes you and transforms you, right, there are rhythms that you begin to move in, to grow in. I'm not saying Sunday morning is a law. You're not going to go to hell for not coming to a Sunday morning service. But I am saying that Sunday morning is a forming agent, a shaping agent in your life. It's the gathering of the body of Christ. There's cross-encouragement taking place as you say hello, as you smile, as you love one, the one another's of the scriptures, right, are being uh, activated in the community, right? You can't one another each other on Zoom. Man, maybe you can a little bit, but you can't one another on YouTube. Are y'all with me? And so I want to encourage you that this is a, a rhythm of life. And I also want to encourage you and pastor you a little bit. Uh, you know, we have our Gospel Connects. And there are many of you in this room who have signed up for Gospel Connects. And they have been incredible. Last week, we talked about the law and the gospel. And some of you in this room have been Christian for many years. And you probably can't articulate what, the, what that is. But that's why we have that rhythm. And it was just an incredible um, night of just talking about the law and the gospel and, 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 and their compatibility with one another. And this week, we're going to talk about repentance. Wow. Some of you are like, okay, I'm definitely not going that week. <laughs> uh, but we're going to talk about the beauty of repentance. But I, I'm being strategic because it lands on Valentine's Day, right? And what a brilliant excuse to say, well, you know what? Not going to Gospel Connects. But I just want to encourage you, if you haven't made reservations yet, make a reservation like for another day. Make it for Thursday. Make it for Friday. Yeah, it's quiet. And you, some of you are fighting me. And I get it. But, but I mean, okay, culturally do it. Maybe you already made the reservation. Keep it. But if you can keep that rhythm, keep it. Keep it. Keep it. Um, and, and if you're frustrated or offended, maybe that I'm saying this or whatever, then maybe I'm not the right guy to pastor you. Um, but, uh, but, but keep that rhythm. Amen? Amen. Keep that rhythm. Okay. And you can tell your husband or wife I said that. <laughs> Who needs a day? Amen. Who needs a month? All right. I'm already, my time's already ticking off and I haven't even got into my message. So, uh, if you have your Bibles open to first Corinthians chapter 15, y'all still love me. We still good. Yeah. yeah, good. Okay, good. I'm preaching to the choir, right? Like y'all are here. Like say it to the folks that didn't show up, right? <clears throat> that's why I said I want to encourage you because you're here you're here you're here uh, open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 um, we are in a series that we've entitled the last Adam the last Adam and we're in a year in which we have been encouraging the body of Christ to know the story Know the redemptive story of Jesus Christ know that chapter one God created everything good know that in chapter two God created everything good, but man messed everything up. The fall, we fell. And, and, and know that in chapter three, God came to clean up our mess up, amen? And redemption, he redeemed us through his son, Jesus Christ. And then know in chapter four, one day we are gonna be in a new heavens and a new earth and a new body and all things will be made new. Consummation, everything will be made new and we'll live in eternity in a perfect world with a perfect creation, with a perfect body, Amen. And so we've been wanting you just to learn that beautiful story, a story that the culture rejects. You believe that? Culture rejects this beautiful story. And some of you are intimidated by that rejection. And some of you even have doubts. But it's a beautiful story. It's a good story. It's a true story. It's a logical story. 
And so we continue through this whole year of knowing the story so that you could tell the story. And we're continuing through the last Adam series. So what does that have to do with the story? Well, the first Adam messed it all up. But the last Adam has taken what has been messed up and he's made it all right. And that is part of the gospel. That's the gospel. Amen? Amen. I, I have less time now. What happens after you die? You ever thought about that? Some of you um, may have never thought about death until it, it, it hit close to you. Like maybe you were diagnosed with something that scared you. Maybe you're sitting in this room right now and somebody, you might have a terminal illness. Maybe somebody you know has been diagnosed. Or maybe somebody you love has died and all of a sudden what used to be kind of distant has gotten a little bit closer. Death can haunt you. Yeah. So what happens after you die? What, 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 what do we believe as Christians? Are you a follower of Jesus? And maybe you're in this room and you're not a follower of Jesus. Well, what do you believe as not a follower of Jesus? What happens after you die? Now, there are different possibilities. I just want to give you three. Right? The first one is, what, what I, I, and this is not like a academic. I'm just kind of giving you the names I've given. But the first name or the first possibility is, is what I've just called total annihilation. Sounds kind of cool, actually. <laughs> Right, and this is, this is an atheistic view, right? Somebody who maybe believes that there is no God, right? And we might have an atheist or two in this house. Praise God, I'm glad you're here. And so this, this is the idea that suggests that, you know, after you die, or that when you die, both your body and your conscious just eviscerates, right? Like you just simply, one day you simply cease to exist, like lights out. Body becomes dirt and your awareness and consciousness is just evaporated, right? Total annihilation, right? Atheists hold this view. There's another view that, that I'm calling soul immortality. Soul immortality. And this view suggests that when you die, although your body like decomposes, your consciousness continues, Right? That when you die, your body decomposes, but your consciousness will continue into some kind of like immaterial, invisible state. Are y'all with me? Yeah. Am I, is this too complex? No. Okay, I just, I just want to make sure you're getting this. And, and, and this view was very popular among the Christians at Corinth. This is a very popular kind of Greek view. The idea that all material, including your body, is evil. And so when you die, you kind of escape into this immaterial place. And believe it or not, many Christians, and there's probably some in here today, you hold that view. Probably didn't even know it. And what do I mean by that? Like there's some of you in here that believe that when you die, your body goes to the dirt and that your soul just kind of floats to be with God in eternity in heaven. Yeah. Right? right? I mean, that's what many of us think and we're Christians. But can I tell you, that's actually more pagan than Christian. In fact, it is pagan. And you see, oh, there's, there goes that thing. Always oh, messing me up, sorry. Total annihilation, soul immortality. So you might be sitting here saying, then what the heck is the Christian view? What, what do Christians believe about death? Well, this third part is the Christian view, and it's called bodily resurrection. That's the Christian view. If you're taking notes, bodily resurrection. You see, the Christians believe that once your body dies, 
your soul goes to be in the presence of the Lord. In some kind of immaterial, hard to explain, mysterious place. But Christians also believe that when your soul goes to that place, the presence of God, it waits. Because there's coming a time when that soul is going to be reunited with your body. And that you are going to live in a new heaven and a new earth, not just consciously aware, but bodily aware that Christianity is the only space and the only beautiful place that believes that your whole man, the absolute entirety of your humanity will be restored, will be redeemed, and that one day you will be whole mind, body, soul, and spirit. That's good news. And guess what? That's the gospel. Gospel means good news. I want you to listen to this. If you don't believe in a bodily resurrection, then Paul says you've abandoned the gospel. Are you with me? Talk back to me. I've been listening to black churches, y'all. I need you. I need. If you don't believe in a bodily resurrection... Paul says, then you've denied the bodily resurrection of Christ because Christ raised bodily. If you don't believe in a bodily resurrection, then then you're stuck in your sin because Jesus is stuck in the grave. You see, if there was no bodily resurrection, then the Bible is a lie and the apostles are heretics. If there is no bodily resurrection, then all of peoples, then then out of all the peoples of the world, Christians are to be pitied the most. That's what Paul says. Paul says, if you don't believe in a bodily resurrection, this is what Paul says, then we should just eat, drink, because tomorrow we die. I mean, how dumb do we look? Sacrificing pleasures. Look at us, right? Laying down our lives, not chasing after the indulgences of the flesh. If there's no bodily resurrection, we should be living it up, y'all. What are we doing at church? Are you with me? I don't know what was said, but I'm sure it was funny. Listen, if there is no bodily resurrection, there is no hope. But praise God. Paul writes to the Corinthians church, to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 15. Praise God. He, listen to what he writes them in 1 Corinthians 15, 21 through 22. He says this, for as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. Y'all hear me? By as one man came death, by another man came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all shall be made alive. Mind, soul, spirit, and what? Body. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, have your way. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would illuminate the text. All distractions and attacks of the enemy that are trying to bombard our imaginations right now to cause us to think about something other than the word. Pray that you would still it, silence it. And I pray that you would make a way, the word to bring peace and truth and correction. And we know it's the word because it corrects us, but it doesn't harm us in the correction. But your correction brings life and love and healing. 
And so I pray again, you would do what you do best, illuminate the text so that everyone in this room could leave this place and say, I heard something from the Lord. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles or your Bible apps, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we are going to read a long one. Amen. And you know, I got 30 minutes. I'm just, can you tack on another 30, please? Um, that would be great. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15. Amen. 1 Corinthians 15. We are in for a long read. Okay. In fact, it's going to be up here for you on the screens. And as you're going to your Bible apps, I know you're going to be tempted to look at Twitter or whatever it is. Do your best to try to stick with me. Um, I'm just speaking for myself. I'm projecting. I know I would be. First Corinthians 15. Uh, we're going to read verses 35 through 57. Okay. That's a lie. You ready? Yeah. Amen. Let's do this. Okay. The apostle Pi- Paul, Piper, the apostle Paul writes to the church at Corinth. He says this, but some will ask, how are the dead raised? And with what kind of body do they come? In other words, like if some people are asking Paul, like, how is the dead going to be raised? And like, what kind of bodies are they going to get? We don't believe you. I love Paul. You foolish person. <laughs> you foolish person. Listen to what Paul says. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen and to each kind of seed its own body. Listen, for not all flesh is the same. Can we agree with that? But there is one kind for humans. There's another for animals, another for birds and another for fish. Right, and then he says, there are heavenly bodies and there are earthly bodies. But the glory of the heavenly is of one kind and the glory of the earthly is another, different kinds. Now watch, there is one glory of the sun. That's right, the sun has a body, amen? Another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars. For star differs from star in glory. Look at the Bible telling us what we're just starting to understand. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. Y'all with me? He says, so it is with the resurrection of dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Now, don't trip off spiritual. That doesn't mean immaterial floaty thing. Now, watch. Thus, it is written. Some of you are like, okay, where's the last Adam come in, Phil? Thus, it is written. The first Adam became a what? Living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. But behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we all shall be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, 
I love it. Paul's like saying, hey, you people who believe in evolution, just over millions of years, Paul does, uh, God does it in the twinkling of an eye. At the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, it's going to be a loud day, and the dead will be raised, what? Imperishable. And we shall be, what? Change. For this perishable body must put on imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on the immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Death, oh death, where is your victory? Oh death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us, God bless you, the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's long. That's long. Paul tells the story of redemption. Y'all know the story. Or you're learning the story. The, the entire story of redemption. Paul is so creative. He tells the story of redemption through the lenses of two bodies. Adam's body and Christ's body. He says, you can look at those two bodies and it'll tell you the entire story of salvation. Yeah. So I'm entitling this message today. You know how I've been doing it. Twos, two bodies, two bodies. Now I want you to capture this. Paul tells this story of two bodies in order to answer the curiosity of the Corinthians who were not only doubting that bodies could be raised, but who were also wondering if bodies could even be raised, what kind of bodies would they be? Are you with me? Like, are they zombies? Okay, man. It's not funny, not funny. Every week I just try. I had somebody uh, I'm gonna get lunch with, they've been new here the last couple of weeks. And they're like, you know what, Pastor, I wanna tell you something, you're funny. <laughs> They've only been coming a couple of weeks, but they were like, no, I laugh. I laugh. It's like, praise God. Right? Well, well, if the dead are risen, which we doubt that, what kind of bodies are they going to be? You know, we're talking zombies here. <laughs> what are we talking about? Are we angels? Right? A lot of us have this weird belief that when we die, we become an angel. It's not true. I mean, it's cute, but it's not true. Right? Oh, that's my angel watching over me. No. I ain't going to be watching over you when I die. Hey, that's, the, that's God's job. I'll be up there like, hey. Okay. <laughs> Don't be bringing me back. Oh, now we're laughing. Okay. Okay. I get it. So <laughs> this is not good. Paul contrasts. Paul is going to contrast two bodies. Are you ready? Here they are. The body of the first man, Adam, at his creation. And the body of the second man. That's what the scripture says. <laughs> scripture only cares about two people. Adam. It's the body of the first man, Adam, at his creation. Are you all with me? And the body of the second man, or the last Adam, at his resurrection. And you see this entire story? This is the book ends of, of the story. Creation, consummation. Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's talk about Adam's body. It sounds kind of weird. Let's talk about Adam's body. In verse 45 of what I just read to you, chapter 15, Paul quotes a portion of Genesis 2. Back to the creation we go. Back to creation. Like we've been going back to the creation every week. 
Paul quotes a portion of the creation story. I'm, I'm going to read you the portion that he quotes, but I'm going to put it in its larger context. So Paul is actually quoting Genesis 2, verse 7. Let me tell you what it says. Genesis 2, 7 says this. And the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And here's what Paul quotes. And the man became a living creature. Right? Paul says and Adam became a living being. Now, in order to understand how our bodies will be changed at the resurrection, Paul first takes us back to creation. You with me? It always starts there. Now, notice, in the beginning, God created Adam from where? From the ground. Yeah, the earth. From the ground. In fact, this is what, I'm going to say it right, Adam. This is what Adam means. It means ground. It means dirt. Do you know that? Amen. All of you knew that. Nobody just wanted to be like, yeah. So Paul, he's recalling the composition or the makeup of the first man's body. It was dust. It was dirt. It was earth. It was soil. It was mud. <laughs> and Paul reminds us that Adam's body was created a natural body prior to the fall. Are you with me? And so I just want to unpack that. And Paul unpacks that with like three different illustrations and analogies. I'm going to unpack that Paul talks about seeds. He talks about different kinds. And then he talks about glories. So I'm going to talk seeds, kinds, and glories. Okay, just so we can unpack what we're talking about here. Paul tells us that the creation of Adam's natural body was like God sowing a seed. So Adam's natural body was a seed sown by God. You see that? Now, now think about a seed. A seed is planted in one form, but it's raised in another form. A seed is sown at one time, but a harvest is raised at a later time. Right, so different forms in different times. You hear that? A seed is put in the ground in one what? form and then it's raised above the ground and then another what and then a seed is planted at one time and then a harvest comes at a later what time okay good you guys are doing good this was true for the first man's body did you know dirt was not to be adam's final form and and dirt is not to be your final form neither now, maybe you're in this room today and you're doubting the resurrection, right? Maybe you're a logical person, but I'm about to show you how illogical you are. <laughs> and you're doubting the resurrection. Maybe you're in here today and you find it hard to believe that dead bodies can be raised back to life. If that's you, Paul says, just go outside. Just go outside. All right. Look at the trees in the park. Go into your backyard. Look at the garden. Nature is preaching. Every tree, every plant, every flower is declaring the gospel, the good news of the resurrection. 
You see, for at one time, they were all just what? Seeds. At, what time, at one time, they were all just bodies buried in the earth. But suddenly, something happened. And the body that was once buried broke through and raised to a new life. Now, the seed and the plant, have, they, they both have um, continuity, but they're different. Y'all get that? There's con- they're same in that one became another. There's continuity, but there's progression because one was put into the ground and then it progressed to something different, a new body, one body and another. Are you with me? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So making sure we're walking th- through this together. Now, listen, if a farmer can bury a seed and expect a harvest, if a gardener can plant a seed and anticipate flowers, so a follower of Jesus can be laid dead in a grave and have the confidence in knowing that one day they'll raise two. I love this about us. I love this about us. As followers of Jesus, we don't see dead bodies. We see seeds. We don't see burials. We see plantings. (laughs) As followers of Jesus, we don't see graves. We see gardens. And when I die, and my wife's not in here, just don't cremate me. Now, I got nothing wrong with cremation, just so you know. Like, I'm not about to establish a doctrine, okay? God could raise up a burned body too, okay? But don't cremate me just because, just, just because, like, bury me in the ground. Because there's the burial, unless it's too expensive. And that's the truth. And we laugh and we're making a lot of debt, but it's the truth, right? Like, it's the truth. We can't afford, I'm not, I'm not putting any type of moral, I'm just saying, when my body is buried into the ground, it's a reminder of what Paul is saying. My body is just a seed. And that grave is just a garden. That one day it's going to break through. Are you with me? Back to Adam's body. We move from seed to kinds, different kinds. Paul points to different kinds of bodies within God's creation to explain Adam. What do I mean by that? Y'all remember how Paul started to call off animals and birds and fish and the sun, the stars. Y'all remember that, right? To the birds of the air, God gave bodies equipped for the skies, right? To, To the fish of the sea, God gives them bodies equipped for the waters. Like your body can't go in the water. Your body can't fly in the sky. He's got to equip you for the skies and he equip you for the waters. Naturally. Now, and God even talks about inanimate objects, right? Like the sun and the stars. They're all given different kinds of bodies by God. So when Adam was created, he was created with a natural body that was only equipped for natural living. You with me? When God created Adam, he, he, he equipped Adam to live on the earth, to eat, to sleep, to drink, to reproduce. Y'all with me? Now, some of you might be thinking, well, did God create Adam flawed? Or did God create Adam sinful? No, we know this because this is before the fall. It's not that God created Adam flawed. It's that God intended for Adam to be transformed. 
This might be a little too much, which is why I wrestle with this all week, but I'm not gonna give it to y'all. And I asked kind of our elders to sit in today and take notes, not because I want them to learn, because I want them to tell me if I was clear. So try and lean in, okay? It's not that God created Adam flawed. It's that God created, intended for Adam to be transformed from an earthly glory to a heavenly glory. Which brings up the question, what if Adam obeyed? What if there was no fall? You ever thought that? Maybe it's just us Sunday, Sunday school kids. Right? Just, just we're Sunday school kids. Right? What if he didn't fall? You know us rebellious Sunday school kids. You find a way to question God without question. Well, what if Adam didn't fall? Though? You know what I mean? Anyway, sorry. But it is a good question. What, what if Adam had obeyed? What if Adam had not fallen? Like, what would have happened? Let, let me kind of paint you the picture that Paul is painting. If Adam had obeyed, he would have been justified by his own righteousness. His obedience would have clothed him. He wouldn't have been like, oh my gosh, I'm naked. He would have been clothed in his own obedience and his righteousness. Are you with me? Yeah. For some of you that have been with us, you kind of know where I'm going. For those of you maybe haven't been with us, I apologize. But hear me out. If Adam had obeyed, he would have been justified by his own righteousness. And then what would have happened next? If Adam had obeyed, God would have exalted him and transformed his body into a heavenly form. From his natural form to a heavenly form. Are you with me? And then all of us who came after Adam would have inherited glorified bodies if Adam had obeyed. But instead of waiting to be exalted by God, Adam exalted himself, or at least attempted to exalt himself. And he ruined it for himself and the entire human race. In fact, you know how we say the story of redemption, chapter one, creation, chapter two, fall, chapter three, redemption, and then chapter four, consummation. Had Adam obeyed, it would have been only two chapters. Creation and consummation. But Adam fell. And as a result, Adam's body, along with our body, became weak, dishonorable, and perishable. So guess what? We needed another body. We needed somebody else to accomplish for our body what the first body failed to do. We needed another body. We needed another someone to come in and accomplish for us in our weak, dishonorable, imperishable state. We needed another body, somebody to accomplish what that first body couldn't accomplish for our bodies. Are you with me? It's very, very weird. So we move from Adam's body, the first man, to Jesus' body, the second man. Now in verse 23 of chapter 15, and I didn't read this part, but I want to go back there. Paul calls the resurrected body of Jesus Christ the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. See it up there? The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And in saying this, Paul paints 
an Old Testament picture of what has already come, right? Like the, the word first fruits is, is a harvest term. And, and, and it's a celebration of the first fruits that was practiced in the Old Testament. Uh, let, me, let me paint you a portrait of, of that first fruit celebration. You see, after the seed had been planted, amen? After the seed had been planted into the ground, it had now risen up above the ground into produce. And so the people of God were commanded to gather the first crop and bring it before the priest. And then the priest would take the first crop. Are you with me? That first produce. They would raise it up. They would wave it. And they would wave it before the Lord as an offering to God. Now I want to give you three implications for our resurrection from this concept of first fruits. Jesus is the first fruits. Three implications for us in our resurrection, okay? And, and, and I'm going to use these three words, consecration, guarantee, and first of another kind. And you'll get that in a minute. I want you to know, I want you to think about this, this picture of the first fruits being presented to the priest and then waving it to the Lord. Right? Th this was an act of worship. Amen? Amen? This was an act of worship to the God who supplied all their needs. So what did they do? How did they reciprocate? How did they show gratitude to the God who supplied all their needs? They presented their first and their best. Why did they do this? Because God was worthy. God was worthy of it all. Now, I promise I'm not going to turn this into a tithing message. But I do want to go off on a side note and say, what is your generosity declaring about the worthiness of God? Wow. Like everyone is cool with discipling me, but just don't disciple my wallet. In fact, some of us, we know where we are with that. And so right now it gets real. Ugh. Now, I want you to know your giving isn't going to determine whether you go to heaven or not. This is not a hell issue. But this is a gratitude. Right? It's like you want to measure if you're growing in gratitude. You know the best place to measure it is? Or one of the best place? I want to say the best, one of the best places. It's your generosity. you're giving. Some of you are like, well, I don't believe in the tithe. Well, I don't believe in the tithe neither. I think the gospel obliterates the tithe. 10% is too low. <laughs> Y'all don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. Y'all don't want to go there, huh? Nah, because some of you are like, yeah. I got to get back on track. <laughs> But here's what you know. Uh, um, when you present, when the Israelites presented their offering, their first and their best, sometimes we give God the last and the least. I mean, what was that saying about our heart? But when the Israelites presented the first and their best, it was hard, trust me. It was hard. But they weren't just, it wasn't just an act of worship, but it was also a sign of consecration. You know what consecration? It means to be set apart. Mm 
And so they were taking the best of their crops and what were they doing? They were setting it apart. And in setting it apart, and giving it to God, you know what they were doing? They were actually blessing not just this, but the entire field. And they were saying, because I gave you the first and the best, your, my first and my best, and dedicated to you, it's going to be a consecration unto the Lord. And it's going to make the rest of the crop holy wow. and sanctified. Yeah. How y'all doing? Do you see what Paul had in mind? The obedient death of Christ. Along with the victorious resurrection of Christ. Serves both as an offering to the Lord. Pleasing and acceptable. And also an act of consecration. An act of sanctification. An act of setting apart and making holy all those who would believe and come after him. You see, Jesus was the first fruit presented to God. And in that presentation, that first fruit sanctified the rest of the harvest who would believe in him. It's his death and his resurrection that makes us clean. It's his death and resurrection that makes us righteous. And it's his death and resurrection that inspires us, delights us, fills us with the Holy Spirit to grow in holiness. So he's the first fruit that consecrates the rest of the harvest. Number two, now watch. It took a lot of faith <laughs> for Israel to present those first fruits, right? There, there was a temptation to hold on to it yes. because the first fruit was just a sample size, like of a much greater harvest that the people were hoping would come. Are you with me? Yeah. But, but usually the first fruits meant that there, was a, there would be more fruits to come. Like it was a sign that the harvest is going well this year and that more is coming. Y'all get that, right? Listen, had Jesus not been raised from the dead, we'd have no hope of conquering the grave. But he did. So his resurrection has become the guarantee of our resurrection. We're not believing in something that's never happened before, y'all. Yeah. Well, Christianity is illogical. It's logical. And go read the first 12, 13, 14 verses of, of Corinthians 15. Because Paul, before he even gets into it, explains that Jesus appeared yeah. bodily. Yeah. And he just didn't appear to me. Paul talks about how Jesus appeared to the 12. Paul talks about how Jesus appeared to over 500 witnesses. And when Paul's writing this to the Corinthians, and many of them, some of them have passed away, but many of them you can go talk to right now. Like it wasn't just one or two people that saw him or someone who just had this vision and everyone has to believe. You're credible witnesses, no bones in the grave. The tomb was empty. They never figured it out. And guess what? Everyone could kind of come up with their reasons, where the bones went, or maybe it was this, or maybe he didn't really die, but there were no bones. This is historical. And guess what? Because he lives, I'll live. For those who believe, this is good news. I got good news because he lives, you will live. Because he was raised, 
you will be raised. Because Jesus Christ is the first fruits of all who have fallen asleep. The billions of believers throughout history whose bodies are now either burned or buried will one day rise again. Because he lives, you don't need to fear death. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus is our guarantee. Amen. And so his body doesn't just consecrate the harvest, but it guarantees the harvest is coming. Now I'm going to assume that most of us in this room, we've encountered a dead body before. Now, we might have encountered it in many different ways, but at the very least, perhaps you've gone to a viewing. Perhaps you've sat beside someone who's passed. When you look at that body, it's an empty shell, isn't it? It's lifeless. It's decaying. It's decomposing. In fact, like you gotta, you gotta move quickly. Am I right? Yeah. And listen, no matter how good of a job the mortician does, you just can't hide death. And so one might ask in this room, how can that body be raised? And to be honest, who would even want that body to be raised? That's what the Corinthians were asking. Listen, and I said this earlier, if I die, don't pray for resurrection, guys. No, I'm serious. You can laugh. Okay. There's like this whole signs and wonders movement, right? And like resurrection is like the ultimate thing. Like, oh, you want to see the dead raised. And praise God for that. And if dead is raised, praise God. I believe. But listen, don't raise me, y'all. I don't, you ever think about that? Like if you died in Christ, maybe you didn't, maybe you didn't believe in Christ. Raise, raise me up ASAP. <laughs> but if you died in Christ, do you really want to come back? Some of you can't answer that because you love the world way more than you love Jesus. Some of you are like, yes. <laughs> no, no, you don't want to come back. It's like going into Disneyland and turning around and having to leave. You don't want to. Oh, and all my Disney Disneyland folks over here. Like, yeah, that's heaven. Now I understand. <laughs> that's all I had to say. I'm behind my time. I'm, I'm almost, yeah, I'm, we're, we're here, we're here, we're here. You might be like, why, why don't you want to be raised, Pastor Phil? Well, well, like, with all of this body's flaws and frailties, right? With all of this body's proclivities towards sickness and disease, with all the pain and suffering our bodies go through, to come back from the dead in this body sounds more like hell than heaven. But I got good news. I got gospel news. Jesus was the first of a new kind of body. Never before in the history of bodies <laughs> had there ever been a body like the resurrected body of Jesus Christ. Or the seed is planted in what? One form, but it's raised in what? A new form.
It was a different kind of body. Now, there's some smarty pants in the room. I know about y'all. Right? And you're thinking, you know, how could Jesus be the first when in the Old Testament and the New Testament, people were raised from the dead? Where are you at? Come on, raise your hand if you thought about that, right? I know some of you thought, like some of you, you know, YouTube theologians in the room. Listen, listen. I am not saying that people didn't come back from the dead. But I am saying that those people eventually died again. Do you know that? Did you know that when people in the Old Testament and New Testament were raised from the dead, it was a sign? It was a shadow? It wasn't the ultimate thing. It was just pointing to something greater. But did you know that Lazarus was raised from the dead? And did you know that Lazarus died again? Now, I'm sure Lazarus was like, Jesus, thank you for raising me or whatever. But he had to get sick and die. He had to go through that twice. <laughs> this might be borderline, but I don't want to be a heretic, I promise. I'm just saying. I already went through the valley of the shadow of death. I got to do it again. <laughs> just to see Mary and Martha. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm on way over time. We got the Super Bowl right. Let's get out of here. Let, uh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Roger's taking great notes. He's like, you know what? You just took too much time. You just took too much time, Pastor. You always do, but this time you just took too much. But can I just say this? There's a difference between resuscitation and resurrection. Just to give you an idea, right? Those were, yes, they were raised from the dead. They were actually dead, but they were raised. But they died again. Jesus is the only human in history who would put on a body that never dies again. He's the only human in history who put on a body that'll never suffer again, that'll never get diseased again, that'll never get sick again, that never will battle with mental health again. And here's the good news. Here's the gospel. Jesus was just the beginning. Man, I, I wish we had some suffering people in this room. Maybe you just don't suffer. Like, I wish we had some people that have battled with chronic pain in this room. Like, I wish we had some people that have been battling with addiction their entire life in this room. Like, I wish we had some people that know what it's like to suffer cancer, to suffer disease, to see loved ones taken away from them. I wish we had people in this room that knows what it's like to be missing a limb. I wish we had people in this room that know what it's like that they can't have a baby, that know what it's like. I wish we had some suffering people people in this room because maybe you would understand the good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus was just the beginning. Jesus Christ, the last Adam, now stands at the head of a new creation. See that? You see what's happening? Jesus Christ's resurrection reverses the curse of Adam's sin. And Jesus Christ's resurrection inaugurates a new creation that starts with him. He's the head. He's the one. He starts it. New creation. Starting over. New creation. Starting with him. The new Adam. The last Adam. And this time, we ain't going to get those perishable bodies. Are you with me? This is good news, guys. (laughs) What is sown perishable will be raised imperishable. What is sown in dishonor will be raised in glory. And what is sown in weakness will be raised in power. I want to finish with 1 Corinthians 4 through 16. And and team, you can get ready. 1 Corinthians 4 through 16. 
I've kept you a little longer. God bless you. I hope you come back. First Corinthians 4.16. I want to point something out, okay, in this text. I'm going to take it a little out of context, but because I kept you here for an hour already, I don't have time to overwhelm you with this context. But let me just, let me just pull something out. You just can't have to trust me, okay? Go back and read. First Corinthians 4.16. Look at what it says. It says, we do not what? Lose heart. Why would we lose heart? Well, he tells us, though our outer self is what? Wasting away. Huh. He says, our inner self is being renewed day by day. What does that mean? What does that mean? Did you know the moment you put your faith in Jesus, you began to participate in the resurrection. Wow. Yeah. Do you know that? The moment you put, you started to believe, wait a minute, I believe this story is true. The moment you put your faith in Jesus, you started to participate in the resurrection. How so, Pastor Phil? Is it my body breaking down? The moment you said yes to Jesus, the new creation has already began in you. Do you know that? Did you know the kingdom of God is here and it's coming? It's already and it's not yet. Jesus has inaugurated it. He's the first fruits. More are coming in resurrection. But did you know when you put your faith in Jesus, the resurrection is already starting to happen in you? Watch, watch. Though your body is breaking down, though death is coming for all of us, those who have put their faith in Jesus are already experiencing the resurrection power. Those who have said yes to Jesus are already experiencing the transformation power of the Holy Spirit on the inside. <laughs> are you looking for confidence this morning? Are you looking for evidence that you will be raised one day? Are you insecure about your salvation? Are you uncertain if your body is going to be raised? Like, are you here today? One thing you do know is that your body is dying. But one thing that you're uncertain about is if your body will be raised again. Like, are you in this room lacking confidence? Do you want some kind of evidence that you will be a part of that resurrection glory? What's going on inside? What's going on inside? Are you being sanctified? Are you repenting of sin? Are you growing in holiness? Are you manifesting the fruit of the spirit? Are you walking in love? Growing in humility, delighting in God, hating sin, identifying idols, desiring to walk in rhythms of life. You see, when you put genuine faith, not fake faith, you know what I mean? What fake faith is like you raise your hand and said a prayer, you think you're good. When you put genuine faith 
in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes to what? Dwell within. And your inner man begins to change. And the things that you used to love, you start to hate. And the things that you didn't like to do, you start doing. And the man that you used to be or the woman that you used to be, people are like, wait, you're not the same anymore. And the places you used to go and the things that you used to, y'all with me? I'm not saying you're perfect. I know it's a battle. I know the flesh can win. But what I'm saying is, is there's a progression of the new creation inside of you. And the spirit is drawing you. And your love for him is growing. And your love for his church is growing. And your love for holiness and sanctification is growing. And your tastes are changing. And you're walking away from sin and walking closer to him. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's the start of the new creation. It's also the evidence of your future resurrection. A transformed heart will lead to a transformed body. A transformed heart will lead to a transformed body. Amen? That's all I got. Let's pray. And so we just, before we leave this place, everyone is, we just thank you, God, for sending Christ to accomplish for us what Adam failed to do. What a beautiful story. And may we not only apply that story to our lives, but may we learn to tell it to others so that you would be glorified in this city, in Union City, in the East Bay, in the South Bay, in the entire Bay and beyond, that your story would transform people so that you would get honor and you would get glory because you are worthy. So as we leave this place, may we not leave your presence. Be with us, speak to us. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Our prayer and hope is that you would be transformed by God's word and live for him. Before you go, would you consider giving a gift today? By faith, we are walking into the new year and continuing to believe in what God is doing in the city through our missional communities and mercy ministries. Visit us at inspiredchurches.com to give a gift and let's see together the great things God will continue to do in the new year. 